0: Welcome to the Iowa City Foreign Relations Council's program with guest speakers, Kirsten Kamp-Bale and Waldrud Meyerhofer. Thanks to Kirsten and Waldrud. Uh, Waldra- <laughs> I apologize. I'm not going to say your name right here. uh want to uh, thank you for joining us as well as everyone else who is online with us. I'm Janet Linus, a, a member of the Iowa City Foreign Relations Council's board and host for today's program. We'd like to acknowledge and thank our annual donors, sponsors and partners for their support. The Iowa Arts Council through the Iowa Department of Cultural Affairs, Humanities Iowa and the National Endowment for the Humanities, the University of Iowa's International Programs, Honors Program, Public Policy Center, and the Center for Human Rights, the Stanley U of I Foundation Support Organization, Midwest One Bank, and City Channel 4 for providing online access to all of ICFRC's programs, along with the U of I Library Archives. We would also like to thank our special sponsor for today's program, who's the Sayer, who is a longtime member and supporter of ICFRC? Who who th- we thank you so much and for your wonderful support that you've given us over the years. The Iowa City Foreign Relations Council recognizes that our home community of Iowa City now occupies the homelands of Native American nations to whom we owe our commitment and dedication. Our full acknowledgement is on our website at ICFRC.org. As we get started, I would like to cover some Zoom etiquette tips, and this is time to make sure that you know where your video and audio mute and unmute buttons are. Uh, Please keep your audio and video turned off for the duration of the presentation so that we do not interrupt our speakers during their remarks. Following our speakers' presentations at about 12.45, we will have a 15-minute question and answer period. You will be able to submit your questions via the chat functions. At that time, we invite you to turn on your video, but please keep your audio muted to avoid any background noise. It is now my pleasure to introduce Kirsten kampf and Waldorf Meyerhofer who will speak about Anne Frank's story in Iowa. Dr. Kirsten E. Kampf-Beyel is lecturer and outreach coordinator of German in the Division of World Languages, Literature, and Cultures at the University of Iowa. In addition to teaching courses on German literature, language, and culture, She created and annually teaches the popular seminar, Anne Frank and Her Story. It is her proposal that successfully brings the 13th Anne Frank House Chestnut Tree to the University of Iowa, and by extension, the larger Iowa City community. And we hope we get to hear more about that. Mm -hmm. Dr. Walter Meyerhofer is a professor of German, and is also a professor in the Global Health Studies Program at the University of Iowa. Her research and teaching interests include German literature, and culture from the 18th century to the present. Both Drs. Kampfbiel and Meyerhofer are extremely accomplished scholars and teachers. Their full biographies are on our website at ICFRC.org. It is a great honor to welcome them to the Iowa City Foreign Relations Council today. Thank you for being here. Thank you.
1: Thank you, um, Janet, for that lovely introduction and um, thanks to everyone for being here today. Um, We look forward to having this discussion with you and shedding light on what's all happening in Iowa connected with Anne Frank. Um, So I'll get started. Um, And I wanted to just give you a little bit of background. As Janet mentioned, um, my doctorate is indeed in in Germanic studies. with a focus on 19th and 20th century and contemporary German prose and film. And yet ever since I conducted dissertation research um, at the University of Ghent in Belgium, I developed a stronger interest and curiosity also in the Dutch language and literature and its attendant culture. And while I was living in Belgium, I also had the opportunity to travel frequently to Amsterdam and that rekindled my connection with Anne's diary. Um, While in Belgium, I regularly asked myself how other teens hid, wrote, and experienced this horrific time outside of Germany in the occupied countries. I had the opportunity to visit the Anne Frank House, um, the Jewish Historical Museum, and the few other remains of the once thriving Jewish neighborhood. Um, At this point, I feel Pretty confident in the Dutch language, and I've worked diligently at sharing Anne's um, tragic but very inst- inspiring experience and her humanitarian message with my students in um, this diversity and inclusion course, which was approved, called Anne Frank and Her Story. And it's an offer, and it's an honor to uphold Anne's legacy. Um, I've also often asked myself, why is Anne's diary not taught more at the collegiate level? And I found that when she is taught, it's usually in middle school or in high school, but then very peripherally. And I wanted to change that. Um, In the course that I teach at the University of Iowa, um, which I created in 2017, um, students explore Anne's account vis-a-vis modern day stories of discrimination, students in my class are able to wrestle with concepts of self identity, and how some are stigmatized. Um, we also talk about how, how does one combat implicit biases and stand up against prejudice, discrimination, hatred and violence also in a 21st century context. Um, Anne Frank, was born in Frankfurt, Germany. And at the age of four, she moved to Amsterdam in the Netherlands because her parents, Otto and Edith, were worried about Germany's economic crisis, Hitler's rise to the chancellorship, and the anti-Semitism around them. At such a young age, Anne was forced to leave her friends, her family, and start life in a new country. She also had to learn a new language. and I think that's important to consider because her diary is actually written in Dutch. Um, and so by speaking Dutch myself, now I'm also able to read her diary in its original, in its original language. Although my seminars are filled, um, in fact, this spring I'm teaching two sections of Anne Frank, I've also noticed that many of my students know very little about Anne Frank and very little about the Holocaust and whenever we um, whenever I teach this course before we begin the diary I oftentimes ask my students to interview um, some of their friends and acquaintances and pose the question who was Anne Frank Um, and the the student, the responses that the students share in class connect very well with this article by Nina Segal that came out in 2017, Anne Frank Who. Uh, Educators and museums as well, such as the Anne Frank House, um, have had to think of new ways um, to reach younger generations in teaching this story. Um, The Anne Frank House in Amsterdam actually had to renovate its museum due to the many visitors who require more context before viewing the annex. As an educator, I too find myself in this position. I recognize that many of today's students simply don't know much or anything at all about Anne and many other stories connected with this particular time period.
0: So um, thanks again
2: for inviting us to speak to your group. And um, I'd like to take this opportunity to actually talk a bit about university politics behind behind, uh, this endeavor of trying to bring Anne Frank to Iowa. Dr. Kunz mentioned that her seminar uh, fulfills the requirement for diversity and inclusion courses. This general education area was introduced about 10 years ago. It was designed as an expression of the University of Iowa's commitment to diversity and inclusion. After the long process through various committees and approval uh, procedures, it was in fact established as an additional core area that all University of Iowa undergraduates have to take and they cannot transfer it from another school. This includes, for example, students in business and engineering. The learning goal was advertised as follows. Courses in the diversity and inclusion area help to develop students' recognition of their positions in an increasingly pluralistic world while fostering an understanding of social and cultural differences. Students reflect critically on their own social and cultural perspectives while increasing their ability to engage with people who have backgrounds or ideas different from their own. Students also explore the historical and structural basis of inequality and the benefits and challenges of diversity. End of that quote. Recent studies have shown that the ability to work in diverse teams is the number one skill employers look for in college graduates. Therefore, the diversity and inclusion courses are essential to achieving this goal. Germany is a prime example for how important learning about and from a history of exclusion is. The German department is small. However, from the beginning when diversity and inclusion course proposals were invited, several faculty members have been eager to contribute their expertise to this group of courses. Besides Anne Frank and her story, German department faculty are currently contributing the following courses to the offerings in this category. Dr. Heckner teaches a course about Holocaust, genocide, and 9 11. I myself explore with students representations of disabilities in writing and film and how these works advocate for more inclusion around the world. Another course studies the history of witchcraft beliefs and persecutions. As Ronald Leopold, our keynote speaker for the forum, says it so succinctly, the prime goal is not to teach lessons about those histories, but what can we learn from this aspect of history and help every one of us contribute to a more equitable and inclusive society. The diversity and inclusion courses were conceived as small group courses limited to 20 to 22 students in order to be discussion heavy and student centered. Students were to intensely reflect about their own values and how to become more appreciative of diversity and how to contribute to a more inclusive society. Now, if you do the math for up to 5,000 students entering the university in a year, you will immediately see that the original plan was impossible to realize while at the same time, due to budget concerns, cuts to faculty lines were needed. Therefore, there are many students each year who do not find a spot in the diversity and inclusion courses offered. Other courses counting for diversity and inclusion have since since their introduction grown to lecture courses with 100 to 200 students and discussion sections, just like all other general education courses. uh, Just a few examples are introduction to African American culture, the soundtrack of American culture, African American history. Diversity and Power in the US, Freedom of Expression, or Inequality in American Sports. The last one currently enrolled a whopping 238 students. Some courses even have no discussion sections at all, such as when I taught my own Disabilities in Global Writing and Film with 70 students, and um, that obviously does not uh, provide a good environment for the discussion that uh, that is the goal of the course. Very few departments are able to offer full sections of the same course, full meaning limited to 20 to 25 students. The small German department made it possible for Dr. Kumpfbale to currently teach two sections instead of one larger group. But such dedication meets resistance from those who count enrollments and how many students a faculty member teaches. For me, this development sadly suggests a lot of rhetoric of diversity inclusion on campus, but little support when it comes to funding and staffing small courses that do in fact aim to offer the deep reflection and engagement with the material uh, as the courses were originally designed. So why am I saying this? (laughs) Please help us advocate for the original idea of diversity and inclusion courses so that departments can continue to offer them in small classes. Your voices be it as taxpayer, alumni or donor are important. The fact that the University of Iowa requires 11 core courses is often cited as one of the reasons why Iowa students take longer to graduate than students at peer institutions. I am convinced that the diversity and inclusion courses should be something that distinguishes Iowa uh, graduates and is an important experience for each student. And we will hear from such students in uh, Dr. Kumpf's course in a few minutes. The diversity and inclusion courses should not become another obstacle to graduating in time.
1: Now over to Kirsten. Thank you. So um, oops. I wanted to mention that um, in the course that I'm teaching, uh, Anne Frank is definitely one of the accounts that we read. Um, but her story is not the only story, not the universal story, and my class also studies a number of other diaries composed by young individuals in hiding, um, some of them hiding physically in spaces comparable to Anne Frank, but others who also hide in plain sight. Um, And yet these stories are barely known. So our course truly um, centers on the act of storytelling and how individuals represent their personal histories and narratives and celebrate a shared humanity. Today, there are many new forms of media which allow my students innovative ways to express, record, share, and consume stories, and also um, write about themselves in journal fashion, um, but oftentimes assuming different forms of media. So together as a class, we discover and exercise our own forms of storytelling and how we relate to one another. An aspect that is curious to note is that many of the writers incorporate nature um, and trees more specifically in their writings. And you may be familiar with the fact that while uh, hiding in the annex, Anne was able to view the crown of a horse chestnut tree in the courtyard behind Prinzengrach 263 through an attic window, which was one of the few windows that was not blacked out. And this tree um, came to represent so much to her. It represented life, it represented freedom, dreams of a better future, Um, the outdoors, which she really enjoyed. Um, It was really her lifeline while she was hiding in the annex for over two years. I've noted that other young writers who my students and I study also have found consolation in nature, and these reflections and references to trees and all of their forms um, really led me uh, into a new research direction. Um, And I uh, published actually last year with Amsterdam University Press looking at some of these representations of trees in these particular texts. I just wanted to read a quote that comes from the diary that um, indicates Anne's connection with this horse chestnut tree. Quote, I looked out at the blue sky, the bare chestnut tree glistening with dew, the seagulls and other birds glinting with silver as they swoop through the air. As long as this exists, I thought, this sunshine and this cloudless sky, and as long as I can enjoy it, how can I be sad? And this entry was written in February of 1944. In conducting um, some of my research and also developing materials for the classroom, I learned that Anne's beloved horse chestnut tree um, sadly passed away behind the courtyard in 2010 due to disease and ultimately a storm toppled it down. But What I learned is that there are a few saplings which have been distributed to select locations. And so a dream developed for me to bring one of Anne Frank's saplings to the University of Iowa in Iowa City, the UNESCO City of Literature. composed numerous emails and I picked up the phone and spoke um, with the board of directors of the Anne Frank Center USA. And I was really transparent about my wishes. I communicated my teaching and research efforts and I made clear to them how remarkable this campus and community are um, to me, the place that I call home. And most importantly, I also shared my aspirations and enthusiasm for spreading seeds of knowledge and imparting change um, for my students. And here we are um, now, it's happening. Um, My proposal was selected and Anne Frank's tree and her story will take root in Iowa. Um, This will be, as Janet mentioned, the 13th sapling um, planted in the United States. And I'm really, um, really busy this semester, um, planning all of these different events and working on um, all of these different projects, but I'm really eager to witness all of the fruits that this tree will bear. Um, students in my classroom this semester are already connecting with the sapling and special projects are underway that will continue in the years to come. Um, I think it's really valuable that Anne's diary, which is a literary treasure, um, connects with this tree, which will be planted in the city of literature, among other literary trees on our campus. I wanted to draw attention a little bit to the space. Um, the tree will um, be planted on the pentacrest. And I think that the space, um, the placement of the tree on the pentacrest is also also relevant to the pentacrest legacy and the way in which the tree um, will continue to grow here. The pentacrest at the University of Iowa, has long been a space associated with free speech, protest, and celebration. The University of Iowa also has special designation designation by the Arbor Day Foundation as a Tree Campus USA. So there are numerous um, special trees that are on um, on our on our grounds. Um, including a Johnny Appleseed tree, a William Penn Oak, and a literary grove featuring trees associated with authors such as Henry David Thoreau and William Faulkner. What's really really interesting, however, with Anne's tree is that her sapling is the first tree to represent a female figure at the University of Iowa.
2: I know that Janet uh, outlined uh, this presentation as with a question and answers at the end. Um, I'd like to, uh, after, after uh, Kirsten shows the next video, I'd like to encourage uh, participants here to share with us what and Frank means to you, like, uh, you know, how you, uh, what memory do you have of, of reading the diary? Uh, has anybody been to the museum in Amsterdam? And what impressions did you take away from that? Uh, Janet, I hope that's possible. I think we are in good time uh, and then we would continue afterwards with our second part but Kirsten first wanted to show this next video.
1: Yes, thank you, Valtraud. Um, I wanted to um, share with you some student voices, former students of mine in Anne Frankener's story who can already attest that Anne's story has made um, a deep impact on them here in the state of Iowa. I think that Anne Frank's diary has become so significant because it showcases how individuals endure trauma and find hope in nature. Anne was confined to the secret annex for two years and was not able to go outside, but she was still able to find peace in the little patch of sky that could be seen through the attic window, and she referenced the chestnut tree that stood outside the secret annex several times throughout her diary as a symbol for hope. I think this message of hope is especially important in our current social and political climate as we all attempt to cope with the struggles of living through a global pandemic. I think we could all benefit from Anne's humanitarian message of showing compassion for others and holding on to hope for a brighter future. Every time I read Anne Frank's diary, I am left in awe of how optimistic she was. Her dreams and her aspirations never really faltered. She would hear the most horrible things on the radio, yet she still wrote things like, I still believe that people are really good at heart. And she also wrote, I don't think of all the misery, but the beauty that still remains. So, one quote that I took away from this class that I find myself thinking about a lot on campus is Anne's advice when you're feeling a little bit depressed. And it's really important important to me to remember this because she went through a lot and even in her situation she always found a way to feel happy and to be positive. So the quote that she wrote was, go outside to the country, enjoy the sun and all the nature has to offer. Go outside and try to recapture the happiness within yourself. Think of all the beauty in yourself and everything around you and be happy. And that's really helps me throughout the semester when I'm feeling a little bit down. I think something that is valuable about um, Anne Frank's diary is how it can relate to a lot of people um, regardless of the situation, regardless
0: of who you are, the identities you hold. Anne's story transcends time and place in that it reminds us to use our power and privilege to bring about justice and equity for those who are being oppressed.
1: I think that her story can be Um, a reminder that we have the power as everyday people in our lives to take action against hate and prejudice. And I think that the tree will serve as a great reminder that we have the opportunity to learn and grow and really be that
0: agent of change. After taking this course, having the Anne Frank sampling come to the University of Iowa would mean a lot to Myself and I feel like a lot of members of our community because of how inspiring Anne Frank's story truly is and how many demographics she's able to touch through her literature at such a young age. The original tree was a real source of comfort for Anne when she was in hiding. And so I really hope that when this tree enters our community and our campus, that it, it takes on a similar role for the people here. And I really hope that in the future, I see students sitting out on the Pinnacrest around the tree, talking and studying and writing how Anne used to when it was outside her window. And I think she would be happy to know that it is in a community surrounded by art.
1: The significance of having an Anne Frank Tree Sapling here on campus is that it continues her legacy alongside showing us that her story remains important and applicable in 2022. This tree is an opportunity to learn and to tell Anne's story for generations to come.
2: Okay, Um, I hear it's not recommended to interrupt for spoken feedback. Uh, Please uh, share your encounters with Anne Frank uh, in the chat and we will survey at the end um, during the questions and answers session. Yeah, thank you in advance. We're very curious about about your encounters with Anne Frank. Uh, It's my turn now to talk a little bit about what the upcoming uh, Provost Global Forum is about. Um, I seem to have lost access to the PowerPoint, but okay. Um, so, since you're all already on Zoom and savvy internet users, I trust uh, you will all be able to find the information on the Provost's Global Forum on the University of Iowa's webpage. Uh, there are two major parts coming up next week. Um, one is... Uh, Uh, public presentations by experts from Iowa and uh, our own uh, University of Iowa, other institutions, but also from Europe. Um, The program is on, um, is on the website You can uh, stay for all or part of it. And there's also the option of uh, joining virtually uh, if you're up to another Zoom (laughs) meeting. Um, And uh, the websites are easily found if you search for teaching and Frank. The Provost Global Forum is the premier annual event on campus that focuses on international and global issues. The forum brings together experts from the faculty and leading voices from a variety of areas. um, And they all raise awareness about and contribute to debates on the foremost issues of globalization that face us today. In addition to serving the University of Iowa community broadly, the forum endeavors to build connections between the university and the state of Iowa and positions the University of Iowa as a national node in discussions of global affairs. For this year's forum, we have strong connections between scholars of the history and literature of the Holocaust and the College of Education with its outreach programs, but also with museum specialists. It does not need much explanation why Holocaust and genocide education is a topic of global importance. The UNESCO published a short media release in 2014 that succinctly states the reason why it is vital that we keep teaching the history of the Holocaust in today's world, regardless of where we live. The article outlines, in particular, the role Holocaust education can play in tackling difficult issues of the past in diverse national and cultural contexts. Transmitting the memory of the Holocaust is a vital part of the struggle to promote human rights in democracy globally. This task is all the more urgent as the last eyewitnesses are passing and at a time when crimes against humanity still occur and in fact are reaching new heights. Teaching about the Holocaust carries a universal message of peace and mutual understanding today. Our project builds on and goes beyond teaching the Holocaust by experts at Iowa. The Global Forum takes Anne Frank's story as an entry to learning about and from history. It has been amazing to see how many groups want to join our initiative. Our goal with the Provost Global Forum and going forward is to inspire discussions about uh, the Holocaust and difficult histories and build relationships between different units of the university with each other and with the state of Iowa. We were able to invite a handful of people and we have stretched this by inviting uh, some to speak as groups. Presenters will discuss how Anne's life and legacy are taught in multiple disciplines, in K-12 education and in museums and other media. We have a tremendous list of participants, most of them coming in person. Um, We can go back to this program uh, during the um, questions and answers if there's time. I wanna say a little bit about the special event that's coming up on Wednesday, March 2nd, uh, the Joel Barken Memorial Lecture at 5.30 in the uh, Senate chamber of the Old Capitol. Our special guest is Ronald Leopold, director of the Anne Frank House in Amsterdam. He participated, for example, in the recent documentary on Anne Frank and the diary made by the BBC. He's a tremendous speaker and it will be a rare opportunity to witness him here in Iowa City. He will speak about his approach to the Anne Frank House as a site of learning, not just about history, but more importantly from history for the challenges of our own times. Mr. Leopold's educational mission is how to incorporate history as a teaching tool, particularly for young generations. The Anne Frank Museum has reconsidered the ways in which Anne Frank's story invites us to reflect on our awareness of persecution and give meaning to our own times. The museum's educational programs are underscoring the need for young people to take responsibility for the social environment in which they live. It should be really fascinating to listen to Mr. Leopold next Wednesday. Other components of this year's forum include a traveling exhibit titled Let Me Be Myself, the life story of Anne Frank, and an Iowa K-12 teacher workshop made possible by the Baker Teacher Leader Center in the College of Education. Turning over again to Kirsten.
1: Yes, I just wanted to tell you a little bit more about the exhibit. Um, As Waltraub mentioned, we've had um, the opportunity to collaborate and partner with um, the Pentecost Museums at the University of Iowa and this exhibit um, is actually divided into two separate parts, the historical component, um, which sheds light on Anne's life, and also what was happening at the time um, that Anne Frank and her family and the other Annex members were in, the hi- in, were in hiding. Um, and it is also connected then with um, the contemporary component of the, uh, of the exhibit. Um, And it's actually really unique there's a uh, reverse spiral staircase, which provides visitors of the exhibit in the Capitol building, um, the ability to process to reflect and in some ways metaphorically to travel through time from present to past. Um, On the first floor is where you will find the contemporary exhibit. Um, and this exhibit calls attention to four teens who face adversity in today's society based on differences such as religious identity, race, or disability. Um, Visitors to the exhibit can then wrestle with concepts of self-identity and how some are stigmatized. Um, The exhibit is Really in line with and works so well with the Provost Global Forum um, because the Provost Global Forum um, highlights international and global uh, issues. And by sharing Anne's story and the story of these individuals who experience discrimination, even still today, the exhibit helps, under, helps people understand better the dangers of racism, anti Semitism, and all forms of prejudice. Um, important to note also is that um, this exhibit um, includes docents from the Old Capitol Museum together with um, other students in various disciplines who t- took part in January in an intensive two day peer educational training session. Um, and so it was students who really learned about the content of the exhibit and now are trained experts and are able to give tours to the public, as well as to other students from the University of Iowa and students throughout the state of Iowa. The exhibit will leave the University of Iowa on the 3rd of March, and it will travel throughout the state of Iowa, visiting um, a number of different schools and colleges. We can also provide you with more information about those destinations following the presentation. Another um, component of the Provost Global Forum takes place on Tuesday um, at 7 p.m. and goes till about 8.30 p.m. And that is a screening of the documentary in line for Anne Anne Frank. Um, Both Mr. Ronald Leopold and I will um, co-facilitate discussion following the documentary. This is also open to the public, and it will um, take place at the Bijou Films, Films Theater. Whoops. And then I also want to highlight the planting ceremony. Um, the Anne Frank sapling, as I mentioned at the beginning, um, will be planted on April 29th, 2022, which also happens to be Arbor Day on the University of Iowa Pentecrest we are going to have talks, spoken word performances, and live music um, will precede the planting. And it will take place outside of McBride Hall on the Pentecrest. After the talks, after the performances, the crowd will then move to the northeast corner of the Pentecrest for the official tree planting. The event is free and open to the public um, we are encouraging you to please register so that we can approximate the number of atten- attendees. And I'll turn it back over to Waltraud. Mm-hmm.
2: We are reaching the end of our conversation. Uh, we. It is our deep hope that the tree will give us many opportunities to connect our teaching at Iowa with Iowa City residents and people throughout the state. Ideas for events, keeping the memory of Anne Frank alive in Iowa and celebrating the tree are most welcome. So are collaborations if the foreign council members wanted to organize an event. Our dream is Iowa's own and Frank Center for Human Rights and Anti-Discrimination or some title like that. <laughs> the Global Forum is an important step and building block. Holocaust education is currently not mandatory in Iowa schools. Only a quarter of the states in the US mandate education addressing the dangers of religious racial and other forms of hatred, including the history of the Holocaust and other genocides. Such a center would continue outreach across Iowa to support education about the Holocaust and other difficult histories. In the future, we hope to become a partner of the so-called 50 state initiative for Holocaust and genocide education. In some, we appreciate the work you're doing, for example, with refugees, and we hope we can work together. We can use all the help we can get uh, keeping Anne, Anne Frank, her memory, and other difficult histories um, tackled with and reflected uh, in our daily lives in Iowa. Um, I think we have some time now for questions and answers, and I'm seeing some uh, great uh, testimonies of encounters with Anne Frank in the diary in the chat. Um, And I think uh, Janet is taking over here. The last slide shows our email contact. Please uh, get in contact with us and send us your ideas, even if you don't get to, to speak right now. But I think we do have 15 minutes. Thank you for your attention. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much to both of you. So we now move to the question and answer portion of the program. So please write your questions and uh, via the chat function at the bottom of your viewing screen. Feel free to turn on your video as well at this time, but please keep yourself muted so that our recording is, uh, is it's good quality. Um, I'd also encourage you uh, to write down your experiences as was requested during the presentation about reading about Anne Frank, so we can read those as well. Uh, while we're waiting for the questions to come in, the Iowa City Foreign Relations Council wants to thank all of its members and donors for their support. If you would like to join ICFRC or make a gift to support our programs, please go to icfrc.org. Thank you. So it looks like we have uh, some comments uh, from Bonnie. She says she was grateful for the opportunity to visit Anne's Attic Museum in Amsterdam in 1998. Perseverance was a strong feeling she got, and uh, how adaptive they were to such a small space. Um, also, uh, I think this is from me, actually. I first read Anne Frank's diary when I was in... Oh, this is somebody, from somebody else, but similar to me, uh, who was uh, read it when they were in seventh grade and then wrote a play about it. And um, the person who wrote this said she got to play Anne, which gave her an even stronger connection to Anne. Her story has had a huge impact on her life in many ways. Um, I wrote I was about the same age as Anne when I first read her diary, and how she could stay so optimistic was always amazing and inspiring to me. Um, we also had from Nancy, as a youngster, I saw several amateur performances of the play that led me to the book, and I read it several times over the years, trying to imagine how I would have coped in that situation. Also introduced Anne Frank to our two children, one of whom was able to visit the house in Amsterdam. Uh, And here's a question for you. Do you feel Anne's story has relevance to what is happening in Ukraine today? For example, Russian President Putin Putin has used denazification of Ukraine as a justification for attacking Ukraine. So would one of you like to try to answer that question? Uh,
2: um,
0: I'm not sure... Uh, uh,
2: I see a, con- a very general connection in in the fact that um, even if here in the US, we are far removed from many conflicts that are going on in the world. Um, it, it makes you aware of the danger of, of wars breaking out and, and general suppression and um, expulsion of certain groups of the population. Or, or, uh, I'm not sure what, uh, what he would mean by denazification if they would have to, to leave, well, yeah, <laughs> I would have to read up more on it. Uh, what the implications
1: are? I mean, I personally think that um, you know how can we can connect Anne's diary in the sense that students through her account understand, for example, also the power and the fear associated with air raids and the experience of what it is for. Citizens, to you know what it's like to experience war. Um, that's something that the students in my classroom have no have no experience with, and so I think you know in terms of how this account can connect to current historic or to current situations today, it's opening their eyes to moments of war and what type of ramifications that has, particularly also on on young people. Um, and there's, you know, in Anne's account, there is you can really chart fear in the diary, um, and so that would be potentially one connection. I think is just opening their eyes to, you know, the ramifications of war.
0: Another question for you, which is, with your students, uh, you indicated that all of them are very familiar with Anne Frank. Um, what is, what do they seem to take from learning about her in terms of uh, understanding better anti-Semitism, uh, prejudice, war? What's your assessment of that?
1: So it's, it's been, you know, when I first started teaching this course, I kind of expected more um, general knowledge about this particular time period. And I realized that, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't expect that every student had had that encounter in their school um, previous to college. And so I actually have um, included a historical unit at the beginning that really talks about um, first and foremost, you know, World War II, um, but also more specifically, the occupied experience in the Netherlands. Also, you know, we talk a lot about um, the resistance in the Netherlands. We talk about what it means to be an upstander, what it means to be a bystander, what it means to collaborate. That there are various roles that always get played in these types of in these types of moments, and we can connect those types of roles also to what students are experiencing in their own lives today. Um, you know, when do they see something that they feel needs to be checked, um, and how? just you know reflecting on something that they feel is not going against or is going against what they feel should be happening um, how do young people stand up against something that they don't agree with um, And so I think you know taking this historical moment and translating it into their own personal experiences is where they can really walk away with a call to action. Um, and what they can do in their own lives. And I think that's a really, really big step.
0: Mm -hmm. Question about the classes that you're offering. I know a lot of our uh, listeners to this program are probably not uh, undergraduate students. Is it possible for other people to take this class or do you offer it for the adult education at any time?
1: Currently, it's it's a university class. I have been approached um, to consider teaching um, one of these, you know, maybe a module of this course for the senior college. Um, so that that's one thing I'm considering doing um, after this very busy semester. Um, I also um, taught a module of this course through the Iowa Youth Writing Project, um, where last summer I taught an intensive workshop to teens um, about Anne Frank's story. And um, there's actually currently a writing competition that's happening at the teenage level, as well as at the University of Iowa for all undergraduates who can participate in a writing competition. Um, So those are some other avenues that I've explored, Um, you know, I'm open to other possibilities on the future.
0: One more time, how to find out about the programs coming up next week. Could you repeat without um, where people should look to get more information?
1: Yeah, I can put it in the chat. Um, we have a comprehensive website um, that will give you an overview of all of the events that are happening. Um, so I'll do that right now. Yeah, also if you
2: go to the University of Iowa front page and then just search uh, teaching and Frank, it will come
0: up. Uh, one more question I have uh, is more of a personal question. So in uh, your background, Voltra, uh, it looks like a very interesting setting. Can you tell us what is in the background of your Zoom picture? Oh, (laughs) Uh,
2: since I started out uh, as as a a scholar on 18th century German literature, this is um, the study of of one of the authors I was working on. It's a museum in Weimar uh, and in the house by Johann Wolfgang Goethe. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah, it's an 18th century uh, study.
0: <laughs> um, and Kirsten, we have a, a comment in the chat too, which says, "Please do consider a senior college class." <laughs>
1: okay. <sure>. Okay. <laughs> I will. I, Janet, can I make one more uh, announcement? Um, I wanted to draw um people's attention to an event that's happening also at the Iowa City Public Library. Um, So the Iowa City Public Library is going to be offering three different um, readings of the diary that's open to the public. Um, Tuesday, March 8th, Wednesday, March 30th, and Monday, April 11th. And those are highlighted at the Iowa City Public Library's website. Um, There will be three kind of different themes. One will address um, the space, um, Amsterdam, the annex, and understanding space in the diary. The second reading um, will look more at um, the act of keeping a diary and writing. And the third module, the third um, uh, lesson will be on um, the role that Juda- Judaism plays in the diary of Anne Frank. Um, so that would be another event to consider, and then also I wanted to highlight that at the planting ceremony, um, we'll have the privilege to have the Oakdale Community Choir singing a piece um, that is um, called May My, May My Tears Water a Sapling. Um, and so I, I volunteer also in the Oakdale Community Choir, and that will also be another really powerful event, I think,
0: at the planting ceremony. Great. Um, So, unfortunately, we have to conclude our program now, but I would remind everybody to put down on uh, April 29th at 5 p.m. at the Pentecost. Is that correct? Correct.
1: And please register. Please register.
0: Mm -hmm. Register through the University of Iowa.
1: Um, I can put the website right now into uh, chat. Thank you.
0: So, as we do conclude our program, I want to give a big thank you to Kirsten. Kampf Bea and uh Holtra, Hofer for her for their excellent presentation for sharing their expertise with us today and telling us about the other events that are upcoming. So um for both of you, I am very honored to—oops, mug—to <laughs> virtually present you with the Iowa City Foreign Relations highly coveted mug for coffee, tea, or the beverage of your choice, and we will coordinate delivery details with you very soon. <laughs> the Iowa City Foreign Relations Council next program is on March uh, Wednesday, March second at noon via Zoom. It will feature Dr. Brandon. Uh, who will speak about what do we know about cybersecurity, understanding Russian cyber aggression. Uh, Given the current conflict between Russia and Ukraine, I think this will be an extremely timely discussion. So with that, um, thank you for everyone for joining us. Thank you for the wonderful presentation, and we are adjourned. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you, you everybody. (laughs)